Hello, listeners. I'm Zach. And I'm Valina. And we're just a couple of horror fans making a horror podcast. Welcome to This House Was Never Meant to Be a Podcast. We're going to cover all of the horror anthology shows that we can get our hands on. And today, we will be continuing Tales from the Dark Side with the episode, A Case of the Stubborns. This episode is based on a short story of the same name by Robert Block, who you may know as the writer of the book Psycho, if you actually knew that was a book first before Alfred Hitchcock (laughs) turned into the famous movie of the same name. He's also the youngest member of the so-called Lovecraft Circle, Hmm. which included people like August Dereleth and Robert Howard, which he created the Conan series, Conan the Barbarian. And also, interestingly, Robert Block shows up in one of the Lovecraft stories, The Haunter of the Dark, Mm. as Robert Blake, (laughs) who is, you know, actually killed off. Oh. Yes, I mean, he gets it kind of easy. He doesn't go crazy, at least. Well, I guess that's something. (laughs) Yes, and it's like the only Lovecraft story that he actually dedicates to anyone. He just usually just writes the story. He doesn't give a dedication to anyone, but he did dedicate that story to Robert Block. Nice. Uh, Yeah. And of course, it's not the first and only time any of those writers include other members of the circle in their stories. It happens quite often. Particularly Ambrose Bierce, people like throwing his name in like everywhere. I'm not even. That's a cool name. Why not? It is, and I'm not even even. I'm not even 100 sure he was part of the circle, but they often use him in various stories, and that actually happens in this episode. The name Ambrose comes up, and because of it being Robert Block who wrote the story, I am absolutely <laughs> certain that was not a coincidence. <laughs> but yeah, so the cast includes. Eddie Bracken as Titus, who's the grandpa in this story, and Christian Slater as the grandson, Jody, who basically serves as the main character in the episode. Mm-hmm. And of course, you may know Christian Slater from a lot of things. He's most notably Mr. Robot in the show, Mr. Robot. So, Valina, why don't you tell us about this particular case of the stubborns? So the episode begins with Jody and his mom played by Barbara E.D. Young, sitting at the breakfast table and saying a prayer for their grandpa who had just passed away last night before they eat breakfast. And the boy, Jody, in his prayers to God is, is saying, oh, I know my grandpa's really feisty. He can be a bit cantankerous, but he doesn't mean anything by it. He's been a father to me since my own father passed away. So you're probably gonna enjoy his company, you know, this and that. Amen. And suddenly the mom and Jody look frozen in horror as they hear footsteps coming down the stairs. Mm-hmm. And they're really confused. And then they turn around and it's the grandpa wearing a funeral suit. What is that called? A suit? I don't <laughs> think it has a special name. <laughs> I think, doesn't it? I thought like that suit had like a name. But he comes down. He's clearly in, not in his pajamas. And he's, he's starving to death. And then Jody's staring at him, like, in just shock. He's like, are you a haint? Very well, sudden. Well, I ain't no haint. What are you talking about? Yeah, he says, <laughs> and this is a bit of foreshadowing. He says, I'm just as real as the nose on your face. <laughs> so just put that in your back pocket for later. Well, you gotta be a haint or a ghost or something. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, and and Grandpa here gets real angry that they're telling him that he's actually dead, that he had a heart attack last night, and they had to take the doctor away from his poker game, and he was awfully angry about it, and he's, of course, I am alive right now, and I want my food, so they, of course, unable to eat, hand over <laughs> both of their plates, and he's just, like, super happy about Yeah, but the mom hands over the plate, and he's like, oh, well, that won't get through the morning off of this. And the and Jody hands over his plate and he's like, "Oh, y'all can starve if y'all want to, but I plan to eat." <laughs> uh, he's so much fun. This whole episode, this all of the characters are so much fun. Oh yeah, the grandpa is just hilarious. So you know, after he eats and he gets angry at them, just staring at him, trying to tell him he's dead, he goes outside to digest. So the mom and Jody look at each other and he's like, is he really dead? Were we, were we wrong? And she's like, oh no, he's dead. All right. He's just too all far stubborn to admit it, <laughs> which is really funny because it's like, I mean, if it were me, I would think that I was wrong. If grandpa came walking down the stairs hungry, I would think, okay, maybe the, the doctor was mistaken. Maybe we were mm-hmm. mistaken. He was having some sort of a fit. We mistook him for being dead and he's clearly alive right now. But no, <laughs> the episode from here on out proceeds with him being absolutely dead. And that's it. Like there's no, there's no real arguing on that. Like everyone. There's no confusion. There's no confusion. He is unbelievably dead. Yes. So but the only person who can't believe it is the recently deceased yes he does not want to believe this and i i can't say i blame him at this point in time Mm -hmm. so he goes outside the mom tells jody she's gonna go get the doctor so the next scene follows jody outside with his grandpa and at this point there must be a couple hours that pass because grandpa's no longer looking so good some of that like i guess mortician makeup i don't know if they like because he's he's wearing the the suit right so he's mm-hmm. clearly made up for burial. burial already but now he's not looking really good his lips are co- becoming like purple and they're kind of blotchy a little bit and his skin has got like a yellowy tint to it like he mm-hmm. does not looking so good the flies are buzzing and around the flies <laughs> buzzing around him right now and the doctor comes in, and the doctor is played, the doctor, Dr. Snodgrass, Ooh. is played by Bill McCutcheon. I don't know how to pronounce that I think name. Bill McCutcheon sounds Bill about Bill right. Bill McCutcheon. And he's played in other things. He looks so familiar, but I cannot find something that I know him in. However... Yeah, he was like Droppo in Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Yeah, and I know I've watched that. It just... I mean, he's Droppo. I wouldn't have recognized him (laughs) from that, even though I watched that movie. And he's also... I haven't watched Sesame Street since I was a little kid, but he's a character called Uncle Wally in Sesame Street. I don't know if that's a puppet or if or a I Muppet. I don't think it's a puppet. Or if it's like a person. I don't know. But that's that's Dr. Snodgrass. So he comes in and he's there to convince Titus, the name of the grandpa, uh, that he's in fact dead. And the grandpa is not too pleased to see him. And he's got a lot of real funny one-liners about him being drunk when he came <laughs> To uh, examine him, he's already trying to discredit him as a drunkard. Uh, (laughs) And, of course, he pops out his stethoscope, and he listens to his heartbeat, which he does not have. And, oh my gosh, it's so funny. (laughs) He's like, oh, you you don't have a heartbeat. And Titus responds with, What were you expecting, the Grand Ole Opera? 
Yeah, it, it's so funny. And, and, like, the grandpa does not stop with his quips, and he's <laughs> so funny. Um, and he's really sick and tired of people telling him he needs to be dead. And, of course, the the doctor's not deterred. He pulls out a mirror, and he holds it under his nose, and he pulls it back, and he says, look, there's no breath. And Titus gets defensive over this as well, and comes at him with another insult. Well, you're, the breath on you could knock out a mule at 20 paces. <laughs> yeah, so with those two scientific methods not working on Titus, the doctor pulls out this legal document, which is his death certificate, saying, this here's your death certificate. It's a legal document that'll stand up in a court of law. Well, I'll stand up in a court of law, too. Because who are they going to believe? A piece of paper or me? And while he's saying that, uh, Titus stands up and is kind of looming over the doctor, who's like, that's enough of that. So he just kind of flees this tail between his legs. And Titus sits back down. And this is, it, it's basically the first authority figure being turned down. Titus doesn't believe in what he has to say. Like, he's not going to believe that he's dead yet. He needs proof. So at lunchtime, which is, I guess, several hours later, um, it's, it's supposed to be the same day, I believe. Hmm. It's, it's hard to tell, but Grandpa's not looking so good. <laughs> uh, he's getting a little, quite a bit worse. His skin is starting to become really bumpy and grosser looking. Like it's, it's like starting purpley. Not quite yet, but it's definitely grayer and it's somewhat wrinkled, almost like it's drying out and kind of peeling off a little bit. Uh-huh. And his eyes are starting to black around the edges and his like eyelids are like kind of puffy and red. And his eyes are slightly bloodshot. And he's starting to move a lot more stiffly. He's having a lot of trouble moving. So he's still on the chair outside. And now the mom has actually gotten the reverend to come up. And the reverend is played by Brent Spiner, who I thought was really familiar and I could not place him. But he's Data from Star Trek. (laughs) And I don't even really watch Star Trek, but I know who Data is. (laughs) This dude is Data. And it's really funny to see him as a Southern preacher. Uh, (laughs) So he comes in, and he starts telling Titus. He saw Titus asleep, though. Oh, yes. He sees him sleeping. He kind of leans in to examine him a little bit, just kind of look at him, and he gets, like, a real shock when he opens his eyes. and like, hi, Reverend! And it's really clear that his breath stinks because every time he, like, opens his mouth and speaks very loudly at the reverend, he, like, pulls his head back and kind of shuts his eyes like he's smelling something really gross. You can see his face just retreat into the back of his head. Yeah, and it's also kind of funny to note that all throughout this, Grandpa Titus has been mentioning how hot it was and that's why he's not feeling good or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. any little thing that they attribute to him being dead, he attributes to the heat. Like, oh, it's just really hot. That's why I don't feel good. That's why I stink. That's why I'm stiff. Um, And it must actually be hot because everyone is really sweaty and the Reverend is just like sweating buckets. And I mean, I'd be sweating buckets too if I was talking to a corpse. Yeah. And that's the funny thing too, is that not only is it really hot and it's clear that it's hot, but it really makes him look terrified because he is terrified. So he tells him, "Eh, pull up a chair, Reverend. I'll get my daughter to get us some lemonade. (laughs) Yeah. And it's funny at this point, the flower in his jacket is dead and rotten. (laughs) 
which is funny because it's only been, I, I guess, a day, maybe two days. It's really hard to tell. But he's he's rotting. Like, he's not <laughs> looking good. His, the flowers died. And, of course, the reverend is, as opposed to the doctor, who was, like, the appeal medical to... authority. Yeah, the medical authority, the appeal to science, and maybe even the law, considering, like, the legal document. This is an appeal to religion, to spirituality. Mm-hmm. And the reverend says, when the Lord calls, you're supposed to answer. And... Well, I didn't hear nothing. <laughs> yeah, and he just straight up says he says that. And... Of course, my hearing ain't as good as it used to be. Yes. And the Reverend goes on this, like, huge spiel about how great it is that he's going to be free and he just needs to, like, let go of his burdens, you know, and just join the heavenly host and all this stuff. And, of course, he's arguing against this, saying he's not dead. Just, he just wants proof. So just like that guy in Missouri, you gotta show me. And I don't actually know who he's referring to. I don't know. <laughs> but... He does want to see it. He doesn't want to hear reasons why he's dead. And this is the problem, right? These people are telling him he's dead and he wants actual proof. And the Reverend, of course, responds to this is that some things you need to take on faith. And again, he tells him how great it is to be dead. That he should just like He's got nothing die. to worry about because he's going to go to heaven. <laughs> yeah, he thinks that maybe he's just like purposely not being dead because maybe he's afraid. And he tries to assure him he's nothing to worry about, that he's going to mm. go to heaven. And <laughs> Well, if heaven is such a great idea, why don't you go there yourself? <laughs> it's so funny that Grandpa just doesn't miss. He's just hilarious. And the reference kind of done with this. That's just too much. So he gets up to go. The mom comes in. Instead of instead of holding any lemonade, she says she couldn't find any, but she has, like, this big old, like, old-fashioned jug. For a, you know? for a moonshine. Yeah. And Not that you know specifically, but it's the triple X big jug. It's moonshine. Yeah, and it's so <laughs> funny when the preacher sees it. He says just, praise be, praise be, praise be. And he like, grabs the jug and he takes a big old, like, drink Swing. from it. <laughs> And they're like, wait, 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 where are you going? You know, we still need your help. Oh, there's other members of my flock who need me right now. And he's like, we just must trust in the power of prayer. And then he just, like, leaves with the jug. (laughs) Look at him skedaddle. (laughs) I took the jug with him, too. Power of prayer on my foot. And this is, like, a funny response because it seems that Titus likes the reverend more than he likes the doctor. Like, he's clearly on friendlier terms with the reverend. He asks him to sit down. He has his daughter go get some drinks. Well, he automatically didn't like the doctor. I mean, I calls him a, uh, like, a drunkard and kind of insults when he first comes in and has more respect for the reverend. But at the same time, he does not want to hear what he has to say and makes fun of him when he leaves. Like, this is, like, another enemy defeated because... <laughs> they're all both trying to tell him he's dead and he just doesn't believe it and neither one of them are really showing him proof in his eyes mm-hmm. i feel like the doctor the sca- the stethoscope and the mirror are you might consider those proof but they're not really proof to titus right mm-hmm. because he's still alive right like how are you going to convince someone they're dead when they're still moving and talking yeah. so ultimately his proof wasn't really proof it was just words really just words to titus and same thing with the reverend it was faith but Again, that's just not, even though he's clearly a man of religion, he doesn't believe it, right? Like, not in the religion part, he doesn't believe that he's dead. It doesn't matter that he has to take them on, on faith. He's like, well, I'm literally alive. Like, why would I believe you? So, two, uh, like, authority figures down. And 
At this point, you have your next scene where the mom is crying, like, alone, and Judy comes to her, and she says, well, I wish your dad was here. He would know what to do. And Jody says that he's got an idea. He's going to go to the voodoo woman. And, of course, the mom doesn't want him to go, saying, why aren't you a, uh, a feared? <laughs> it's just such a weird word. <laughs> and he's like, oh, heck no, it's daytime right now. Ma, helps where you find it. Mm-hmm. And he says, we need something stronger than the power of words now, which is sort of pointing out where the other two failed. And of course they go, he goes to the, the voodoo lady's house, which is just filled with junk. <laughs> it looks kind of like a tent and I'm not really sure if it is or isn't, but she starts cackling and saying she's going to eat him and eat his eyeballs and all this stuff. She's holding this taxidermy owl, I think yeah, it is. Yeah, and, and... and the owl's named Ambrose, <laughs> which I believe is a reference to Ambrose Bierce, <laughs> who wrote like a lot of horror stories and she just kind of just stops <laughs> like she just stops threatening him and All talking like oh I'm gonna eat your liver Ambrose loves the eyes <laughs> oh whatever I, I, can't, I can't do this anymore don't get old yeah she's like I'm on soft don't get old boy so he says you ain't gonna eat me it's <laughs> like no I'm too old for that but he says his name is Judy, or Jody Tolliver. And she's like, oh, you know, Titus Tolliver? We used to be friends. So because she says she probably owes him one for all that craziness they got up to in their olden days, she's going to help Jody out. And she says he was super stubborn back then, so it doesn't surprise her, you know, he refuses to die. So she gives him a little something-something to help him out. So the next scene, the mom is getting ready for dinner. And she <laughs> says... That the coroner has been calling her and is threatening to call the health inspector or the board of health on them if he doesn't get the body. So it's just hilarious. Like, I don't know if the coroner is like aware of the fact that Titus is still moving around and still basically alive or if he just thinks that they're hogging the dead body to themselves and just keeping it. <laughs> but it's kind of a horrific the situation. And the mom's horrified. She's like, such a scandal. She's like... Just this you know, like now horrible talk of the town. And you ever just... heard of such a scandal in these parts? We're it. <laughs> just how humiliating, I guess, for poor grandpa <laughs> to still be alive. And of course, like this really hurts the grandpa, right? You know, I can't even imagine people telling him he needs to be dead. Like what an awful thing. Like, you know, when he thinks he's still alive. But Jody <laughs> says, Well, I got this magic from the voodoo lady. And she's like, Oh, let me see. Is it Pazin? <laughs> No, Ma, it ain't Pazin. Oh, God, it's worse than a feared. <laughs> um, but she takes the bag and decides to sniff it because that's what I would do if I got some weird powder from a voodoo lady. I would stick my nose inside the bag. <laughs> and she says, oh, no, man. She... Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man. This uh, ain't dude. it. <laughs> uh, she's pulling your leg. That ain't nothing but some strong black pepper. And he's what? like... <laughs> yeah, he's like, eh, he believes it's going to work. So she's like, well, well we're going to get ready for dinner anyway. So, you know, just sit, sit down. Grandpa's getting stiffer than a board. <laughs> oh, yes. <there's> a... <laughs> so they're sitting at the table waiting for Grandpa to come down. And this scene, it shows <laughs> the stairs and it shows his feet very stiffly walking down with the help of a cane. And it shows him going down a short bit of stairs to show you how much trouble he is now having with his movements. And it really does tell you that 
he is not going to be looking good because we have seen throughout the course of this episode him getting worse and worse and just looking grosser and grosser. So this scene of him walking down the stairs without being able to see his face is the biggest hint, oh, he's not going to be looking good. So when he walks down and sits at the table, he is pretty disgusting looking at this point. Is that collard greens and catfish head I smell? My favorite. Yeah, I don't even know how he can smell. He is gross. And he does, in fact, smell gross because they mentioned earlier at some point that he smells spoiled. (laughs) Uh, So I'll describe what it looks like. Now, his face at this point is now like this really gross, blotchy gray. He's got gashes on certain areas of his face where the skin is peeling up because it's so dry and brittle. And it's like black underneath, like the meat inside is rotten. And his lips are like pure black. And they're also splitting and peeling off. And of course, his hair is a mess. Like it was pulled back and brushed back before. And now it's just this mess. And it's also a lot whiter. Mm-hmm. He can hardly move. When he sits down, he kind of half reaches across the table, but can't move any further. And he tells Jody, why are you looking at me, boy? Help me. Help me load up this plate. <laughs> yeah, help me load up this plate. And they start doing it. Now, what in tarnation is this? It's just it's just your napkin, Grandpa. Yeah, because Jody put the pepper inside of the napkin, in a black napkin, as opposed to the white napkins that both he and his mother have, to hide the pepper. So he's just sort of mentioning, I don't want to cause any trouble for you guys, just I need proof that I'm dead. And the mom, as he sat down, made a, a comment about him not being able to move. And he says, I'm a mite stiff, is all. To which she responds, Stiffer than I'm a two by four. You should be upstairs hit with a lily in your hand. That's where you should be. Dagnabbit! I told you I ain't dead so many times. I'm blue in the face. Now that's the truth. Fact is, I haven't seen anyone look any bluer. And <laughs> the mom has some real good one-liners or just quips in this one. She's really had it up to here, which is again kind of awful because that is her dad. But, like, they were, at this point, except, they've already mourned, like, I guess, when they're, when he died the first time, so that he's alive, they're just kind of in shock, and more burdened by the fact that he's actually rotting, than the fact that we, oh, we still have Grandpa here, because it's not that they don't love him, it's that he's a shambling corpse, and he's not, (laughs) he's an abomination, you know? (laughs) So, probably like, also doesn't help. He probably leaves stains wherever he sits. Oh, God. And just leaves a hideous stench. <laughs> so, and, and he clearly stinks. Like, they don't seem like they really want to eat. They're kind of just looking at it with slightly disgusted looks on their face. Like, they're clearly smelling something nasty. <laughs> so, he mentions again, he just needs the proof. And Jody mentions, oh, Grandpa, you got a little bit of collard greens on your chin. And the Grandpa, oh, thank you. He grabs, like, the napkin, and he's going to use it to wipe his face, but because it's folded, he just flaps it forward, and Pepper just goes flying everywhere, and he gets real mad. You know, like, what, what is this? What damnation? <laughs> and he sneezes real hard into the napkin, covering his face with it. And he looks down at the napkin. And we can't see what's in the napkin, thankfully, at the second. Or seconds. his face. Or his face. We do not see his face again. <laughs> and <laughs> he goes, well, look at this. And you can hear just, like, almost like the disappointment as he realizes what he's looking at into the napkin. 
And he says, I guess that's no fool like an old fool. And he tells, yeah, he tells Jody, well, you be good and take care of your mama. I'm sorry for causing you trouble. And he goes very stiffly back upstairs. Funeral music starts playing. <laughs> and the, the mom go- pats Jody's shoulder and goes to follow the dad upstairs. And the next scene, Jody is sitting alone at the table, like looking at the napkin. And, and all the food's gone. The table's cleared except for the napkin that Jody's kind of looking at. And the mom says, Oh, he's finally laid down his burden at last. All he needed was his blessed proof. And she pats him <laughs> a shoulder again. Then she leaves. And, of course, he opens the napkin. And what is inside is his nose. (laughs) His entire nose is inside the napkin. And it's disgusting, of course. It looks like some of his sinuses have fallen off with the nose. (laughs) Like, there's, like, this gross, like, white strings in there. You know what it looks like? It looks like cooked cabbage and bean sprouts. That's kind of what it looks like. And it's really gross. And I believe there's like there's like maggots kind of like swirling around in there too. I can't really I, I can't really look that tell. hard on it because also because of the weird stringy things that are there, it's hard to tell what's actually like alive and moving in there versus what's just kind of just throbbing <laughs> disgustingly. But like it's pretty gross. Although I do want to mention the nose itself is slightly more flesh color than his nose was when it was on his face. <laughs> I, I feel like that's a little bit of an overlooked detail, but his nose on his face was kind of was like whitish gray, and like in the the napkin, it's actually more of a fleshy tone. <laughs> and of course, Jody, looking at the napkin, says, "If that ain't proof, I don't know what is." <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. Definitely not one you want to be watching while eating. <laughs> So it's interesting that throughout the entire episode, it's all trying to convince Grandpa that he's dead. And they keep telling him he's dead, ultimately. And it doesn't really work, which is why it's important when Jody says, we need more than words now, mm-hmm. right? Because really, even the doctor with his, what you know we might nowadays think of as proof or evidence, really isn't though, right? Mm-hmm. He's talking to Titus, telling him, you know, the death certificate. Like, that's basically words on paper, right? <laughs> and the stethoscope and the mirror are both things that the doctor himself was looking at and telling Jody and the mom. But it's not really something that Titus can hold in his hands as his actual proof. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not really going to convince him who's alive and talking that he's dead. And of course, the preacher, all that's like, take this on faith. His his strategy is not like to show him the sort of scientific evidence that the doctor presents or legal evidence even. But he's trying to actually convince him that it's good to be dead. As he's not really telling him he is dead because the, the preacher can't really prove he's dead and he doesn't try to. He tries to convince Titus that it's better to be dead and that that doesn't work because why would why would he want to be dead you know like it, it's like when my time is here then i'll leave but even though it, you know it is here and it passed he's not <laughs> left he, he doesn't have any real reason to think he should be in fact dead mm-hmm. so that does not work either so it's interesting that the only thing that does work is understanding how he thinks Right? Mm-hmm. Because in order to get him to believe he's dead, it took someone who understood how he thinks. Mm-hmm. And that was a bit of Jody realizing that words were not enough, but he didn't know how to solve it either. So he went to the old lady who needs. And, and it's funny because out of the both of them, she's the least credible. She's this maniacal voodoo lady living in the woods. <laughs> 
and living in a shack with a stuffed owl yeah you know talking to the owl as though it's a person not really i mean i don't know what the heck she does she's like a witch so she's like a witch essentially not really Mm. respected by anyone and she's the one who knows titus she understands he's stubborn and she knows what would get him to believe he's dead which is of course show him he's dead literally with the nose on his face the Mm. obvious right and that of course, little that's, piece of foreshadowing come back. Exactly. And it's funny that that's the showing him the nose on his face. Like the, the thing that is used as an indicator of how obvious something is to show mm-hmm. it to him. So he needed like a physical object. And that, you know, was his, was his nose. So that was a kind of a funny way of getting him to see that he's dead. Mm-hmm. And this episode... On the whole, it, it's not scary at all. There's a there's a lot of jokes being made, and, it, and I mean they're hilarious. Mm-hmm. And of course, just the whole premise, it, just the beginning, automatically sets us up with the fact that the grandpa could come down the stairs the night after he's supposed to have been dead, and is totally alive. And the family actually still believes he's dead. Mm-hmm. And and that's that that sets you up like immediately that of course he he is dead. We are not wrong. He's just too stubborn to admit it. Yeah, it's it's the. Like, it's the premise of local man too stubborn to die. Yes. Just completely encapsulated in this episode. Yes. So you have to, like, immediately align yourself with the fact that he's dead. Like, you can't think too deeply on it you know, like that. Because, like I said, if it were me, I would think I was wrong and that he was still alive. But that's not the way the episode wants you to go. So they basically tell you right off the bat, he is in fact dead. We're going on this train. And it, and it makes and it, makes it of course, really funny as he's getting worse and worse. And it's like, okay, clearly he's dead and they were right. Though it is a little bit sad on the grandpa's part. You know, he does get really frustrated. Like they're telling him to die, you know? What an awful thing to hear from his family. And he does at the dinner table at some point say that he, to hear it from his own family members is hurtful. They don't go too deeply into, like, the actual hurt that that would be. It's kind of just used for comedy, but, like, to also make this old man more re- sort of realistically behaving. Mm-hmm. But it's funny. It is really not taking itself too seriously because something like even Mookie and Pookie, where there's, like, a really heavy emphasis on, like, sort of, like, not mourning. Maybe not on the episode itself, but for us watching it, like, it feels like that whole absence of mourning and grief mm-hmm. is what is really the black hole eating away the episode. And here, even though that's clearly the exact, o- is like the exact opposite of what's happening, they are not in mourning. They had once been in mourning, and now that they have the grandpa back, they actually want him to go away. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, played for laughs. But it's, I want to say, like, almost a more mature look at it. Like, they know his time has passed, and they have accepted it. Like, they have this extremely healthy, if very, very brief, mourning period where they are sad over it and accept that he's dead, and that's supposed to be that way. But just Grandpa hasn't accepted it yet. (laughs) He's still in the denial phase of his own death. And it's very silly, and it's excusable, because it it somehow doesn't make them look like psychopaths wanting, (laughs) you know, their grandpa to just die already, because... Like, I mean, he is a shambling corpse rocking, rocking around. It's it's not fun. And ultimately, you know that the driving force behind them is that they want him to lay down his burden and they want him to be better off. And it would be better off if he died like he was supposed to. Mm-hmm. It's in his best interest. Yeah. And of course, when he does finally die, they are sad about it. Like Jody is like sitting at the table, sadly, you know, the mom. I mean, she's sad as well, but c- clearly they've, this is she's more resigned accepted. to it. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, there's actually a book 
that this episode reminds me of. Now, the book the book is called A Boy's Life by Robert McCannon. Hmm. I might be pronouncing his name wrong. But there's a scene in that book, and it's very similar to this episode, where the boy's dog dies. And he just wishes so hard that the dog does not die that it actually comes back to life. But it's a zombie. It actually is rotting like the grandpa's rotting. And he he's cool with this. Like, oh, my dog's still alive. But it is not alive. It is a zombie and no one's happy with this. And it gets so bad to the point where the dog, it wants, you know, wants like uppies. It wants to be petted, but it's disgusting. It's like full of like maggots and it's, it's, it's pieces are falling off of it. And the kid kind of uh, is revolted. Oh, there's our dog dying. <laughs> oh, no, he's just coughing. Gatsby. But, uh, but he, you know, he gets revolted by his own dog. He, and he doesn't want to pet it. You know, it jumps up into his, onto his bed or something. And he like, you know, encourages it off the bed. And the dog looks hurt by this. Like, you know, anytime you don't want to pet your dog, it looks hurt. And he realizes at this moment, I've rejected my own dog. I'm the one who kept it alive past its past its natural end. And here I am pushing it away because it's gross when it was me keeping it to life to begin with. And that's when he learns to accept, okay, it does need to be dead. And it dies a second time. And he's actually accepted this. Like, he's still sad, but he accepted it. And, of course, this is a much darker and miserable scene. <laughs> like, I cried like a freaking baby, like, reading this scene. I was, like, reading on the bus, too. But that was, like, sad and miserable. While this episode is the same exact thing, but it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> and it just reminds me a lot of that. But, again, from, like, a more comedic <laughs> point of view. So there's that kind of idea that, once your time has come, your time has come, and it's natural to have to let go, you mm -hmm. know, and this should be okay. It's part of, like, the natural process, and there's nothing really to be sad about. I mean, I mean, you should be sad, but, like, in the long run, it's not a really horrible event. It's natural, and it should be accepted. Yeah. Except it's funnier because it's from the point of view of the person who's refusing to let go. He's <laughs> like, I'm not dead, even though he is dead and gross. So that's that's my thoughts on this. What are your thoughts, Zachy? You know, this is one of those episodes that I thoroughly enjoy watching. It is a lot of fun to just watch and just laugh at the jokes and to just look at everybody's reactions to Grandpa. <laughs> just being a living corpse and everyone's trying to convince this corpse that it's dead. You yes. know? And all their, like, small gestures of, like, disgust. <sighs> Like the preacher, he when he's talking to him about the glory of heaven and all this stuff, he like leans down to touch Grandpa Titus's hands and then looks at it and he just pulls his hand really slowly away like he almost burned his hand on something and just didn't, you know? <laughs> it, it's really funny. And like every time we rewatch this episode, we catch like a new little gesture. Or yeah, it is one of those episodes that you'll always find something new to laugh at <laughs> or to like notice in the background. Like, oh, hey, there's that. It's just just it's so much fun it's absolutely filled to the brim with just little things that are make it worth re-watching again and i honestly had so much fun re-watching this episode because it's just a load of fun mm -hmm. i'm not gonna say it's the best in the series because there's a lot that are really good and this has some stiff competition no <laughs> pun intended uh pun intended but <laughs> but this is still a high contender 
against the competition for how much fun it is to watch. It's not scary. There's nothing about it that's scary unless you have, like, necrophobia or something, which this would get to you really badly. Or, like, zombie phobias. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's not a scary episode in any sense, really, but it is one of those really macabre, dark humor type of episodes that's just really funny. Mm-hmm. It's definitely entertaining and definitely worth a watch. Mm-hmm. Now, I have a question for you. Huh? If... Grandpa Titus did not, in fact, pass away. How long do you think he'd be able to survive not believing that he's dead? How much rot do you think he could go through while still being alive? I feel like if a single sneeze was enough to take his nose off, that at some point more of his body parts would be falling off. So it probably wouldn't have been too much longer after the point where Jody would have put Pepper in his napkin that he would have had proof he was dying. Although, maybe not. He seemed really bent on blaming the heat for various things. So mm-hmm. maybe if his foot fell off, he would have blamed his shoes being too tight. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> but again, I think he would have accepted that as, okay, maybe maybe my foot falling off is not natural. Maybe all the worms falling out of it is also not something that happens to living bodies. <laughs> Because he's clearly rotting. And I guess he hasn't looked at himself in a mirror. Because had well, he, he has. Because he, he believes that's why he's blue in the face, right? He's, he, that's why he thinks he looks rotten is because he's no, been uh, saying that he isn't dead so often. But that's just an expression. No, yeah, but, like, what if he took it seriously? I don't you know? think so. Like, literally. He, they use a lot of metaphors and, like, just sayings in this. So I, I really doubt that that is a... Uh, that he meant that is anything other than a saying. So I also don't believe he used a mirror ever because his hair is a mess. And he's also wearing the same clothes. Mm-hmm. So I just don't think that they have a mirror. They're pretty poor. Maybe they couldn't afford a mirror? Maybe. I don't even know if they're poor. It depends on the time era of this. Because if it's like... Well, they had a pocket mirror. They had a pocket well, the, mirror. The, the, and the, the, the doctor, doctor had a pocket mirror. So... I don't know. They do have mirrors. We know that for sure, but I don't know if the family does. And I'm not even sure what time era this is supposed to take place in. It's Robert Block, so it could have been earlier. However, it's also like in the South, so it could just be like a poor area. Yeah. So it could totally be modern, but just really rural. You know, my initial mindset for when this took place is probably somewhere in the 40s and 50s. That range of time in the South. I mean, it could be. It's just because it's so rural, it, it literally could be modern. You wouldn't know. If it's in a city, it's very easy because that kind of new technology mm-hmm. and telltale signs of an era just pop up immediately. Yeah. In rural places, that takes a long time yeah. to get there. So put it this way. This could literally be like a rich person's house way back when in the South Or Mm -hmm. it could be a poor person's house in modern times. (laughs) It doesn't make a difference. Scientifically proven, a case of the stubborns takes place in the 80s in rural southern Georgia. I don't know exactly where, but I know for a fact it takes place in the 80s. Because it was written in the 80s by time traveler Robert Block. So, Valina, where would you rate this? On your five-star rating system of yours. Well, this is a really good episode. It is extremely entertaining. All the characters are really funny. It's not scary, but it is pretty macabre. And it's got that real dark humor going with everyone trying to convince Grandpa he's dead. 
Well, he's of course he is dead, but he's also alive. It's really hilarious. So you know, uh, I'm gonna give this a four and a half stars. Nice. Yeah. It's, I, I hate to say that it's almost hard for me to give it such a high score just because it's not scary. And mm. it has an extremely simple plot, right? Uh-huh. Like, literally nothing is happening on screen except characters coming in to convince Grandpa he's dead. But it's so freaking funny. It's, like, seamlessly entertaining. Mm-hmm. So I would be really remiss to not give it the full score it deserves, despite the fact that I would prefer horror to go along with this. I mean, there's a lot of body horror. I'm mean, don't. I'm not gonna lie, but it is. It is really good. It is really funny, and it really deserves a full four and a half stars. Mm-hmm. So that's that's gonna be my final rating. It's a very highly recommendable episode that you are doing yourself a disservice by not watching. Yeah, and I promise you that their southern accents are far better than mine. (laughs) So, Zaki, since you're going to be the one describing the plot of our next episode, can you tell us what it is? Oh boy, folks, you're gonna need some alcohol for this one. We're talking gin, no chaser. And oh my gosh, <laughs> this one is quite a trip. This is what happens when you take a book and you translate it literally into film form and it don't translate well. Yeah, we haven't even read the book and you can just tell that they read it and took every little thing as literally as possible and put it to film. It is awkward and uncomfortable and it's not even necessarily bad at least the book probably wasn't (laughs) so get ready to get very uncomfortable (laughs) so valina where can people find us in this wild wild south (laughs) that we call the internet uh well if you want to email us you can do so at thishousepodcast at gmail.com or you can find us and follow us on Instagram at This House Podcast. Please rate and review us on iTunes. We love any review, even if it is one letter and a five-star review. We'll take it. <laughs> Please. We beg you. We need it. <laughs> That's all for tonight's episode. So, listeners, since you couldn't convince us we're dead, get, get out, out of our house. house. I am not dead yet. I can dance and I can sing. I am not dead yet. I can do the Highland Flink. I am not dead yet. No need to go to bed. No need to call the doctor, cause I'm not yet dead. He is not-